Welcome to the podcast, The Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Mackenzie campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to church this morning. Whether you're here in the room or online, let me extend a warm welcome to you. I want to encourage you to continue those conversations after the service out in the coffee shop, uh, in the chat online. We'd love to uh, help you find community and connection here at Gateway. Well, it's great to be able to uh, come and share with you this morning as we continue our Better Story series. And uh, I, uh, I trust that this series has been a, a helpful one for you as we, uh, as we grapple with what is the better story that the gospel paints as opposed to the secular narrative. And so today I want to ask us a question that has been asked through the ages, a question that has been asked since humans have been alive, and that is, what happens when you die? What happens when you die? This question has captured the minds of humanity throughout history. You know, from the mummified bodies of Egyptian royalty through to the uh, ancient Pacific Islander tribes that have uh, just pushed their uh, deceased loved ones out to let the tide take them away, through to the future of cryogenics. We've been grappling, grappling with what happens when you die. And I found out in preparation for this message that for the very cheap price of $28,000, you can be cryogenically frozen. And, uh, and you get to experience that. It's probably not that much colder than what we experienced this morning, I don't know. Uh, and there's no guarantee about coming out the other side. There's no guarantee that uh, actually it's a, it's a massive gamble, I reckon, 28 grand. You might as well flush it down the toilet. Uh, I, don't know, I don't know how you, I f- you feel about cryogenics. We're not going to spend too much time on it this morning, but I think that's fascinating, waiting for medical technologies to come back and try and heal the reason you died in the first place. But the reason we're interested in that stuff is because we have that question, what happens when we die? It's a question that has been asked through the ages. And a a gentleman by the name of Arthur Stace said said it as his life's mission to get people to ask that question, what happens when we die? Born into a life of poverty in Sydney, Arthur Stace had no formal schooling. And by the age of 15, he was thrown in jail as a drunk and alcoholic. He actually went on, after he got out of jail, he went on to go and serve in World War I in the Australian Army. But then on his return, and a little while later, he encountered Jesus. He heard an evangelistic sermon that uh, just compelled him to put his trust in Jesus, his Lord and Savior. A little while later, he heard another message, which uh, he said, uh, made eternity ring through my brain. And suddenly I began crying and felt a powerful call from the Lord to write eternity. Even though he was illiterate and could barely legibly write his own name, the word eternity came out smoothly and easily for Stace. And over the next 35 years, he would get up regularly at 4 a.m. and travel around Sydney, writing that word eternity in chalk, on on footpaths, on walls, on steps, wherever he could put it. He estimated that he wrote that word eternity a half a million times before his death in 1967. 
And that scrawled word became such a part of Sydney's culture that it was used to light up the Harbour Bridge at the opening ceremony of the 2000 Olympic Games. When he was asked, why? Why did you write eternity wherever you went? Arthur Stace said this, I do it to help others, to help them know that there's an eternity to face and to be ready for it. And so this morning, we're gonna spend some time looking at this theme of eternity a little further. Uh, we pick up our ideas of eternity from all sorts of spaces and places. We, we watch TV shows and movies that talk about eternity. Uh, we, we consume art and listen to music that, that speaks uh, a range of ideas into us about what eternity is, what heaven and hell look like, and, and what forever feels like. Now, sadly, we're not going to have time to explore uh, all of these issues today. It's impossible to fit eternity into a, uh, a Sunday message. We're not even going to look at things like annihilationism and premillennial dispensationalism. If you want to look at all those complex words, there's a fantastic uh, book by N.T. Wright called Surprised by Hope. It's a fantastic uh, exploration of, uh, of resurrection and eternity. But I can tell you, we're not even going to ask the question today, when is Jesus coming back? Because I can tell you that every generation since his resurrection has answered that question with soon. Soon and very soon, Jesus is returning. And this morning, though, I want to spend some time exploring some common misconceptions around what eternity is like. Because I actually don't think we talk about it a huge amount. There's a lot of presumed knowledge. And so we're going to open the Bible and find out what God's Word says about eternity. So as we begin this morning, would you join with me in prayer? Father God, thank you that you have set eternity in the hearts of humankind. God, thank you that you uh, were, you are, and you forever will be. And God, we, we thank you that you invite us through Jesus into that eternity with you. God, we, uh, we thank you that you are with us this morning as we open your word. I pray, Lord God, that you would bring uh, fresh revelation, fresh perspective, and would you challenge us about how we live this life now as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, the first misconception I'd love to explore this morning is that earth is our home. Earth is our home. That what we see and touch is all that there is. And once our brains stop working and our hearts stop pumping, you die. And that's it. That's all she wrote. I asked some of my staunchly atheistic mates from school, uh, who I still connect with, what do they think happens when we die? And my mate Richard, he said this. He said, it's just like sleeping, but without the dreaming, and you never wake up. My mate Paul said, yeah, there's nothing after. It's just lights out. Now, this is the prevailing secular narrative that all we have in front of us is all that there is. For us Aussies, we've got around 77 years of life as a bloke and 82 years life expectancy if you're a female. Lucky females, five years older, five years longer. My wife uh, is five years younger than me, so she's going to have 10 years at the end of her life without me around. She's probably looking forward to that. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> But because of what we believe about eternity impacts how we live today. If we believe that earth is our home, or at least this version of earth is our home, then we're going to live with our mind fixed on earthly things. 
that the secular narrative is all about the here and the now. We're compelled to make as much of every experience on offer because when it's gone, it's gone. With frantic energy, we feel pressure to partake in everything that is on offer. We want to squeeze out every last drop of experience that we can. And this can lead to significant anxiety around the fear of missing out and ultimately an underlying, underlying feeling of loss. See, if this physical life is all that we've got, we can end up living selfishly because this is our only chance. And the death of a loved one can be traumatic for us because there is no more hope. And the enemy would want you to believe this. The enemy would want you to live like this because then we'll just keep our eyes fixed on what is in front of us. We'll never lift our eyes up to something bigger, something greater. But Jesus tells us that there is a better story. Jesus says that we are more than just our physical body. One day our physical body is gonna stop working, but we have a soul that outlives our body. There's part of us that continues to exist beyond our physical death. And Jesus says, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. He's saying that there is a part of us, our, our personality, our identity, our emotions, our very being, that part of us outlives this physical world. But when our bodies die, our soul lives on. See, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Now, the Bible isn't super clear on how this works and doesn't answer all the questions that our rational minds would love to ask. But Jesus' words and actions show that he knows this to be true. When he himself was crucified, Jesus tells one of the criminals that was executed alongside him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. In paradise. There is a life beyond this life. And it sounds incredible. See, the better story of the gospel is that we have a soul that outlives our physical body on this earth and we will live on for eternity with, with resurrected bodies. Earth is not our home. We are eternal creatures in a temporary earthly body. And one of the founders of the organization that Lauren and I uh, worked for in the United States recently passed away. And as she put it throughout her life, she actually wrote a book with this title, She Has Graduated to Glory. I love that saying, graduated to glory. And this amazing lady, her, her name was Fern. She said in her last days, I'm not afraid of death. God has blessed me with a great life here, but I am looking forward to living an eternal life with Him. She knew that this life was not her final destination that there was an eternity with Jesus ahead of her. But what you believe about eternity determines how you live today. If the earth is not our home, if this is not our final resting place, then that changes how we see this world. Jesus himself says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. And Jesus calls us to, uh, to not live a selfish kingdom of me focused life, 
Don't, don't try and accumulate as much stuff as you can, but instead build up treasures in heaven. It's so easy in this life to get used to comfort. I reckon it's a tool that the deceiver uses to distract us. See, the more comfortable that we get, the more comfort we crave. But Jesus actually calls us to invest in something bigger, to store up our treasure in heaven, to actually live for God's, God's glory for the benefit of others. Instead of building the kingdom of me, we're called to grow the kingdom of God. And Jesus calls us to fight against the gravity of this world that pulls us back to itself. Live a life that seeks to glorify and, and please Jesus. Pray for longer than feels normal. Give until it actually hurts. Spend longer in God's word and presence. Share Jesus' love in creative ways, even with people you don't yet know. The earth as we know it is not our home. And when we live life with an eternal focus, we don't just live for the now, but we live a life that echoes into eternity. Now, the second misconception that we have about eternity is that it's going to be a little bit boring, if we're honest. You know, forever is a really long time. I remember as a young kid, uh, we talked about heaven one morning at Sunday school, and I went home with all sorts of questions for Dad. I said, Dad, I, I get it that if we believe in Jesus, we go to heaven when we die. But, but what happens next? Dad said, well, Tim, we, we get to, to live in heaven. But what's next, Dad? Oh, well, Jesus returns, he destroys evil, and then we live with him forever. Yeah, Dad, but what's next? What's next? As a young kid, I struggled to get my head around heaven and eternity, and, and, and even now, it can still be really daunting, really challenging to get our head, our earthly time-bound perspective around heaven and eternity. It can still do my head in. And we use, we already spend eternity in a whole bunch of things. We use it as a negative term. We say, you know, it's taking an eternity for our kids to eat dinner. And it takes an eternity to go to the shops and find a car park. And it's going to be an eternity before the Broncos are relevant again. <laughs> See, the word eternity, we use it in a negative way, and we actually have a fear that eternity is going to be a little bit boring. But there is a much better story. I want to encourage you today that whatever you currently believe about eternity, it is going to be so much better. Paul writes to the church in Corinth. He says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind could imagine what God has prepared for those who love Him. Eternity is going to be better than anything we've seen, more beautiful than anything we've ever heard about, and beyond anything we could dream up in our wildest imagination. Whatever we think eternity is going to be like, it's going to be so much better. And even with the glimpses that we get of eternity now, we can't comprehend how incredible it's going to be. Let me give you an example. It's not the greatest analogy, but hopefully it'll help you see this perspective. And in the 1900s, the Model T Ford revolutionized transport. For hundreds and thousands of years previously, we had to rely on horses and, and carts or wagons but then in the 1900s, Henry Ford, Henry Ford brought out this car. <laughs> I, do, I do drive a Holden. Uh, <laughs> Henry Ford brought out the Model T. And it was, uh, it was incredible. It was accessible for the common person. You know, it had, three, it had a three-liter engine. 
It had two forward gears, and it could go 40 miles an hour downhill. And it was the pinnacle of human achievement. Surely transport couldn't get any better. You couldn't imagine in the 1900s anything more powerful and more significant than Tin Lizzie. But if we fast forward just 100 short years, the Model T owners of the 1900s would have had their mind blown by the Tesla Model S. Powered fully by electricity, able to drive itself, and with the top model going from zero to 100 kilometers an hour in just two seconds. This would have completely blown the mind of those Model T owners just 100 years ago. They could never have even dreamed about something like this. It would have been incomprehensible. And I actually think that's a little bit the same of our view of eternity. No matter what we think it looks like, it will be better. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind could imagine what God has prepared for us. And we do get a a small glimpse. We get a little glimpse of eternity through Scripture. And even in in the snapshot that we read in Revelation, it sounds amazing. And towards the end of his life, uh, God gave the apostle John a vision about the end times, about what eternity would look like. Listen to how John describes it in Revelation 21. He says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. Sounds incredible, right? Revelation says that eternity is as a bride, beautifully dressed and prepared for her husband. The new heaven and the new earth is gonna be incredibly beautiful. It's gonna be unbelievably good. And it's gonna be beyond what we could dream or imagine. It wouldn't surprise me if there are new colors to experience, new sounds to hear, and at every new step, a new marvel to take in. A little later, John uh, talks about the holy city that is the capital of this new heaven and earth, and it's full of dazzling gemstones. He describes it, he talks about it with streets lined of pure gold and crystal clear water flowing through the city. John says this, it shines with the glory of God, and its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel. The city sounds incredible, but that's just the capital. There's a whole new heaven and earth to explore. Now my, uh, one of my uh, life group leaders many years ago when I lived in Canada, he was convinced that the best parts of earth will end up in the new heaven and new earth. And so he had zero desire to travel to New Zealand in this mortal coil because he believed that New Zealand is gonna definitely end up in heaven because it's such a beautiful place. Uh, I don't know about you, I love New Zealand, it's a beautiful place, but man, there's some fairly dodgy parts of uh, New Zealand as well if you've ever been to Christchurch. Um, But the idea is that there is nothing more beautiful. The best parts of heaven are just a foretaste of what heaven, sorry, the best parts of earth are just a foretaste of what heaven's gonna be like. And if that's not enough, 
God is going to be right alongside of us, going to be right with us, dwelling with us. In eternity, we'll be face to face with Jesus. God will, God will be with us in a, in a tactile way. We'll hang out and, and commune with Him just as we hang out with our friends and families today. And if it's not enough that we get to live right alongside the Creator of this incredible eternity, God will fill the place with inexhaustible joy. In eternity, there'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things will have passed away. Eternity is not gonna be boring or mundane or painful because it will be full of joy. That being there will be a delight. God's kingdom in eternity is the absence of everything bad and painful and evil. And it is the presence of everything good and holy and glorious. Eternity in heaven is gonna be an amazing experience. And if there exists a place as awesome as that, why don't we try as much as we can to, to bring heaven to earth right now? If eternity is, is uh, the ultimate fulfillment of God's promises to be with His people, a place where there'll be no more suffering, a place where the justice and mercy will flow, if you believe that about eternity, let that determine how you live today and live the way that Jesus encourages us to pray. He says, your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If heaven is as awesome as I believe it is gonna be. And we have a responsibility to, to bring what we can of it to this earth now, to live according to God's values, to, to shine His beauty, to faithfully represent His presence. And we can all do something in a, in a day-to-day lives that in a way bring God's kingdom to earth. We can actually listen to our friends and our colleagues' pain and point them to the hope that Jesus offers we can practically share the love of Jesus by putting others ahead of ourselves. We can play our role in bringing peace and restoration to broken relationships. See, bringing heaven to earth is part of the reason that Gateway Beyond exists as well. We believe God is calling us to live out His eternal kingdom here on earth already, to shine His light into incredibly dark places all around our world to fight against poverty and injustice, to alleviate some of the pain, the suffering and the sorrow of this world, to let people know how much God loves them and how He wants to be with them, both in this age and more so in the age to come. And we are all part of Gateway Beyond. We can all contribute to bring heaven to earth through supporting the projects and the people and the ministries that we as a church get behind. See, eternity is gonna be so much better than we can see or hear or imagine. And we have an opportunity today to give people at least a glimpse of that beautiful eternity. And the third misconception that I wanna challenge about eternity this morning is that eternity is gonna be a never-ending worship service. What are we gonna do for eternity? When I ask that question, I wonder what pops into your mind. Sometimes we can get the picture that heaven is just gonna involve floating around on clouds in a toga, strumming a harp, right? And too much Philadelphia cream cheese commercial there. Or, or, or maybe that it's gonna be like an, a, uh, an endless Hillsong concert. You know, I love a, a good two-hour worship set and I could probably push to three hours on a good day, but can we do something different tomorrow? 
Sure, there are pictures of, of worship and singing throughout Revelation. I'm sure there'll be plenty of moments to, to sing our praise and worship of Jesus. But there's more to worship than just singing. There are other pictures in Revelation and the scriptures about what we'll be doing. And you might be surprised by this, but we're actually gonna all have productive work in eternity. Revelation 22 so verse three says, the throne of God and the lamb will be in the city, that city I mentioned before, and his servants will serve him. We, God's people, are gonna serve him. We will have productive work in eternity. And we, read, we read before the description of eternity in, in Revelation 21, the new heaven and the new earth, but that actually refers back to an ancient prophecy of Isaiah who also foretold about the new heaven and new earth and, and what we would get up to. Check this out. In the prophecy that God gave Isaiah, he says this, See, I will create new heavens and a new earth. They, my people, will build houses and dwell in them. They will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. No longer will they build houses and others live in them, or plant and others eat. For as the days of a tree, so will be the days of my people. My chosen ones will long enjoy the work of their hands. They will not labor in vain. So even into eternity, there will be work. There will be the building of houses. There will be the growing of crops, which means there's gonna be, of course, opportunity to cook, opportunity to eat, maybe even opportunities to wash up. I know I'm putting a lot of practice in on that one at the moment. And my guess is that there will actually be all kinds of work that God's people will do. But none of that work will be meaningless or painful or boring. The Bible says we won't be laboring in vain. We won't be laboring in pain either. Imagine actually wanting to turn up to work rather than keeping the, keep pushing that snooze button every morning. Imagine actually uh, you know, digging dirt without getting blisters. Imagine enjoying your work and being fulfilled by it rather than just getting through to the end of the shift to collect a paycheck. The work we do in eternity will be an act of worship in service to King Jesus and his kingdom. Work in eternity is gonna be productive. It's gonna have purpose and it's gonna be enjoyable. I know that might be hard to comprehend, but it shouldn't come as a surprise because when we read the, uh, the story of Genesis in the Garden of Eden, right at the start of the biblical story, God's original intent was for humanity to work and rest, to take care of the gardens, to oversee the animal kingdom, to subdue the earth on six days of the week and then rest and enjoy and recreate on the seventh. Meaningful work was God's intention for humanity before sin entered the world. And it is God's plan for when sin is banished from the world as well. Eternity is gonna be a place where we'll find ourselves in meaningful, productive work that serves and brings glory to the King. We're not just gonna be kicking back on the clouds, strumming harps all day. We'll be doing something worthwhile, something enjoyable, and something with purpose. And if what we believe about eternity determines how we live today, an eternal perspective puts a different slant on our work. We should start working as if we're working for the Lord now. Find meaningful work that, that we enjoy. Find work that serves God and his kingdom. 
Practice doing your work as a service to the Lord. Learn how to fight laziness with hard work. How to fight workaholism with the Sabbath rest. As you work today, you're not just making a better world now. You're learning the skills to one day contribute to the best world. Theologian N.T. Wright puts it this way. He says, what you do in the present by painting, preaching, singing, sewing, praying, teaching, digging wells, campaigning for justice, writing poems, caring for the needy, loving your neighbor as yourself, this will last into God's future. These activities are not simply ways of making the present life a little less beastly, a little more bearable. They are part of what we may call building for God's kingdom. Eternity is not gonna be a never-ending worship service, but it is gonna be a place where everything we do is an act of worship to the king. What we do there will be meaningful and productive, and it's gonna serve our king and his people. But the reality is we don't have to wait for that. We can start working and thinking like that today. The apostle Paul says, whatever you do, work at it with your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. If we have an eternal perspective, it will redeem and change our perspective of work here on earth. See, the gospel paints a better story It tells a better story of what happens when we die. On the other side of this life, there is an eternity that is calling us home. This eternity is better than you can dream about. A place where there is no more pain or suffering or tears. A place where we will live with Jesus in his presence, enjoying productive work, meaningful rest, and the finest of God's creation. This picture of heaven is alluring. It's inviting It calls us to something higher and more helpful, hopeful, I should say. Just the other day, my uh, my wife Lauren and I were having a conversation with our seven-year-old daughter, Zaylee, and I've asked her if I could share this story this morning. She said, "Um, Mom, Dad, you know what? I'm actually really looking forward to dying. And now you don't really want to hear your seven-year-old say that, and you don't kind of want to overreact with shock and all that sort of stuff. So kind of looking around, I gently asked her, well, why is that, Sailing? She said, well, it means that I get to hang out with Jesus, and that's really cool. I love the, 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 the perspective of a seven-year-old, you know, eyes of a child. But she didn't finish there. There's a little bit of a backhanded compliment as well. She said, uh, and anyway, you guys are getting a bit annoying anyway. <laughs> Thanks, Sailing. Such profound truth, and then a smack to the face. It's only a seven-year-old can do. But the truth is that eternity with Jesus is an incredibly exciting prospect. Incredibly exciting. But there is still purpose in the here and now. Paul wrestled with this, and we we catch a glimpse as he writes to the church at Philippi. He said, to live is Christ and to die is gain. He said, I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. As good as eternity is, God has a plan and a purpose for every single one of us in this life now as well. Living with eternity in view will will shape how you live today and the extent to which God can use you to bring about his purposes here on earth. See, what you believe about eternity 
determines how you're gonna live today. If this is all there is, if our three score in 10, if three score in 10 is the sum total of our existence, then we're gonna default to a pretty selfish life. Purpose becomes building, about building our own kingdom to get as much as we can from this world and, and work simply becomes a means to that end. But if there is more to life, if there is an eternal part of us that lives on, and I hope you're convinced today that there is, it changes how we live on this earth right now. Our mission becomes about bringing God's heaven to earth. Our focus is, is about bringing, giving people a foretaste of what eternity with their creator looks like. And our desire becomes to bring glory to God and what we can do to bring His kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. So I wanna ask you this morning, how are you living with an eternal perspective? How is what you believe about eternity impacting the way you live today? How are you bringing heaven to earth? I wanna challenge you in this week ahead to look for opportunities to do just that. Look for opportunities to bring God's kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Live out God's kingdom values as you live, work, and laugh with others. Store up treasure in heaven. Faithfully represent God's presence and love. And bring God glory through all that you do. As we conclude this morning, there's one final misconception about eternity that I want to speak to this morning. It's probably the most uncomfortable one. And that is the misconception that most people are going to heaven. That heaven is the default destination for everyone. But as you listen to the words of Jesus, as you read the words of Revelation, it's clear that that's not actually true. Jesus says that the broad, that broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter it but narrow is the road that leads to life. And Jesus himself says that I am that way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In our own strength, we'll never be good enough. The Bible says that we've all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. We've all messed up somewhere along the journey. If I asked you right now to raise your hand if you've ever lied, a bunch of you would raise your hands and a bunch of you would just have proven that you are liars. We've all done it. We've all messed up. Probably most of us have stolen something in our lives. Most of us have gossiped behind someone's back. We're all sinful, broken people. We've fallen short of God's standards. We don't actually deserve to spend eternity in heaven with a holy and perfect God. Humankind is sinful at its core. We'll we never be good enough on our own strength to match the standard that God has of us. The truth is that despite being incredibly good people, that good people don't go to heaven. That's why the cross is so important. Good people don't go to heaven, but forgiven people do. See, while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. He took on all of our sins, all of our mistakes, all of our missteps. He took the punishment for our sin on the cross. He died 
for your sins and my sins so that we can be forgiven, so that we can be made right with God and so that we can enter in to that eternal relationship with our Creator. It's through Jesus' sacrifice and God's grace that you can be forgiven and enter into this incredible, beautiful, amazing eternity with Him. But God is the perfect gentleman. If you choose not to have anything to do with Him, He's not gonna force Himself into your life. So this morning, I wanna give us all an opportunity to put our trust in Jesus, to accept His amazing grace, to receive His great love for us, and to rest assured that there's a room for us in His Father's eternal house. I wanna invite you across this room to bow your heads and close your eyes. <clears throat> if you're online, this is for you as well, just as important. Right now, I wanna give you an opportunity to respond to Jesus' invitation, an opportunity to put your trust in Jesus for the first time. As we said, we've all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. But He has made a way through His death and resurrection. We can simply trust in Him and be assured of eternal life. So if that is you this morning, if you've not yet made that decision, if you've not yet put your trust in Jesus, I wanna give you an opportunity online here in this room to do that right now. Can I encourage you, if that is you this morning, if God is working in your heart, you can kind of feel the Holy Spirit trembling. You're trembling with being full of the Holy Spirit. Can I just get you to stick your hand up right high up so I can see it. We'd love to pray with you, love to journey with you. Just stick your hand up. If you're in the, online with us, there is a button in the chat. You can click that. One of our team would love to pray with you as you uh, make that decision this morning to put your trust in Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. I just want to uh, just invite you, if that is you this morning, to raise your hand. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to celebrate with you, if that's you this morning. I'm not going to drag this on. I just want to encourage you to shoot your hand up because we'd love to pray with you. That's cool. I'm going to lead us in a prayer anyway because there's probably somebody online who's stuck their, uh, their, their faith in Jesus this morning. So I'm just going to uh, lead us in a prayer. And why don't we all pray this this morning? Father God, we thank you. We thank you for the sacrifice of your son, Jesus. We thank you that through his death, we are forgiven. Jesus, we are sorry for our sin. And we accept your forgiveness as you died on the cross for us. And we thank you for the eternal hope that is in your resurrection and your offer of eternity with you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. I wanna encourage you this morning, if you have made that decision or you make that decision, we would love to help you as a church on that journey. We've got some great resources, uh, a great um, opportunity to plug into Alpha to explore more of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. All you need to do is just let someone know. Let someone know that you've made a decision either in the chat or at our welcome desk or down the front this morning. 
But can I encourage us all to, uh, to stand as we wrap up our service today? You know, eternity is an incredibly exciting future. And sometimes when we look to eternity, it can make this world pale in insignificance. But this morning, I just really felt God resting on my heart to pray for a few people who are just finding this life now, just a a journey of drudgery. Just praying for those that are finding, finding it challenging to get up and finding meaning in work. Maybe you kind, of, you kind of keep banging your head against the brick wall, whether that's in your career, in your, in your relationships, in your family. Maybe you're here this morning and you just keep getting pulled back by the earth's gravity to the things that are in the front and center, just right in front of us. And you can't manage to lift your eyes up to God, something bigger, something greater. But we would just love to stand and pray with you this morning. I'm going to invite our, uh, our prayer team down the front right now. They're going to stand out here. And if you are, uh, that is you, you're just going through this life, kind of almost going through the motions. You've lost a perspective, an eternal perspective. And you just want to recapture what God has given you in terms of a, a, a vision and a purpose and, and focus. We would love to pray with you this morning that God would reignite that eternal hope within you. So as we, uh, as we sing this, uh, this great song, I just want to invite you to come down the front and pray. But we're going to sing right now a, a, a song that is often sung at funerals uh, as a celebration of God's amazing grace and the truth that we're going to have so much time to worship Him, both with our songs and our words and with our actions. So let's sing Amazing Grace together this morning.
we thank you so much for your incredible, amazing grace. Thank you, Jesus, for your love for us, that you would die on the cross for us, that you would invite us into an eternal relationship with you. God, I pray that this week you would help us to lift our eyes above what's in front of us, to keep our eyes focused on heaven. And Lord, that you would use us to bring your heaven here to earth this week. God, let's pray a blessing on each and every one of us here today and watching online. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If you've made a decision to follow Christ, we would love to encourage you on your journey. Help us help you by going to gatewaybaptist.com.au and clicking on Get Connected.